Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Renee Rouleau of Renee Rouleau Skincare. Skincare products based on nine unique skin types to help you get blemish-free skin. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Renee Rouleau of her self-named brand, Renee Rouleau. So, Renee, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Cameron. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So I'd like to start out with your upbringing. Uh, where did you grow up and what would you say your childhood was like? <laughs> so from uh, kindergarten to the uh, my senior year, I was in seven different schools. Mm. So naturally people go, oh, was it a military family? No, my dad was in retail. He was like the number 13th uh, employee of Target stores. Wow. And yeah, back way back in the day. And uh, his claim to fame, what he retired from was he was the CEO of Michael's Arts and Crafts and took them from 400 stores to 1300 stores. That's huge. So yeah, so my dad was in retail, we moved every, you know, every two years for different jobs as he was climbing the ladder to success. Incredible. So yeah, growing up at a young age, I'm sure a lot of that had inspiration on your own journey. What were some of your um, interests growing up? Um, if, was that skincare or entrepreneurship, athletics? What, what did that look like? Two things, which is kind of what I'm doing now, which is beauty and I loved making money. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So I was, uh, uh, apparently, I didn't know this, I went to a high school reunion and apparently I was the first girl to wear makeup in the fifth grade. I was living outside of Boston at this time. <laughs> so I didn't find that out to, to, you know, until years later and then apparently during like junior high, they said, oh yeah, you used to bring your makeup to the sleepovers and always do everyone's makeup. So I was like, oh, okay. Now my grandmother, um, I also grew up in the Midwest, Minnesota, and Wisconsin, but my grandmother mm. on my mom's side was a hairstylist and uh, she owned a hair salon. So I grew up kind of in that environment. Yeah. And then the making money part, I was always hustling. So whether it's lemonade stands in high school, you know, I mean, junior high, I babysat like crazy. And then uh, in high school, I had a side business being a photographer, taking all the senior yearbook photos. And awesome. I just loved the idea of working hard and getting a paycheck for it. I love that. Uh, where, where would you say you got a lot of that inspiration from? Was that self-development? Your your parents, did they have a lot of uh, inspiration on kind of those pursuits? Where, where did that come from? I think I just come from a really hardworking family, yeah. you know, just very hardworking. You know, my dad's from the Midwest and kind of it's a Midwest mentality. People are just pretty simple, no nonsense. Yeah. You work hard. And as my grandmother used to always say, if you can't pay if you can't pay cash for it, you can't afford to have it. So I just mm -hmm. grew up in this childhood where, you know, we were very uh, tight with money, but responsible with money and you just worked hard. Definitely. So I saw you ended up going to uh, then aesthetic school um, throughout your journey. So what led you to and then actually pursue that um, following high school? Yeah, so um, I knew that college was not my path, even though I was living outside of Boston where Everybody's going to MIT and Harvard, but um, yep. I, you know, regular traditional school was not, I was not wired for, I couldn't sit still very well. <laughs> um, and so the million dollar question, what do you want to be when you grow up? They say, find something you're passionate about and find a way to make money doing it. And mm. so I was always like, I had acne growing up and 
I was always like picking at my skin and like, you know, my brother's always having breakout on his back. I'd be like, oh, hold still. Let me get that. And so when I found out there was a profession that I could get paid to, you know, pick at people's skin, I was like, you mean I love picking at people's skin and you're going to pay me for it? I'm like, sign me up. That's my career. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So what, what I think is incredible, I saw on some of your resume and your journey is at 21, you kind of, you opened up your own skincare spa. Was this directly yeah. following school or was there a period here? What did that look like? Yeah. So right out of high school, I went to school to become an esthetician. I worked at a, a full service salon outside of Boston and I had a coworker who was an esthetician and she was my mentor. Mm -hmm. And so I started working there from 19 to 21 and she was 13 years older than me. She had two young children. She always wanted to open up her own business, but because she had kids, she didn't want to do it alone. Mm -hmm. Her and I got along really well and she saw something in me and said, want to be my business partner. So, you know, when you're 21, you're fearless. Sure. Why not? Yeah. And so, from age 21 to 26, we had a skincare salon um, in a small town outside of Boston, and um, I just loved it. I was, you know, really good at sales, marketing, um, operations, not so much the finance side of it, but, mm -hmm. and I, I like to work, and I've been a workaholic since I've just been really young, and I loved working, and I loved entrepreneurship and being able to call the shots. I love that. So um, out of curiosity, um, that that for that skincare spa then for the two of you, did that end up scaling with a larger team? What what did that growth look like? You said you were there for an extended period. Yeah, we had it for five years. So this is 1991 to 1996. So I want to say we did like maybe like a million and a half. So I That's mean awesome. it was small, uh, but you know I was just a kid and I was yeah. happy and I had no overhead because I was single and young and just <laughs> you know didn't have a house, just an apartment. But uh, yeah, and so then after five years, I really wanted to get out of Boston. I just, it was, I heard Texas was, you know, Texas, Dallas was starting to really come alive and I just resonated more with hardworking people and I don't know, I just wanted to, I wanted to change in my personal life and mm -hmm. so business was great, but I just, something about Texas you know, drew me in. And so I moved all by myself to Dallas in 1996 when I was 26, started Renee Rouleau as a skincare spa. Um, so hiring estheticians, giving facials, mm -hmm. launched, uh, started to launch a product line mm. and we, we launched e-commerce in 1999. Wow. So we've been selling online since 99. So if you go back to that website, Wayback Machine, have you ever heard of that website? I have not. I was born in 99. So, oh my <laughs> so anyway, so there's a website that's still out there now, but it's called Wayback Machine, okay. and it does screen grabs and shows like charts of when you know people started websites, and so it shows different screen grabs of our site all through the years. It is so funny. Oh, that's so cool. Um, and then, uh, and wow. then yeah, started writing blog content, uh, education content, and um, you know pushing out content to long before Google. And so, you know, we were getting all this organic search long before, you know, I always like to say like when I was selling online and doing content marketing, like nobody was up there. I was yeah. like, I had the whole place to myself and obviously <laughs> fast forward, you know, to today, it's a little more crowded up there in the old interweb space there. Definitely. That, that's so incredible. Um, I'm curious at this point, um, launching those products, what did you look for for formulating? What did that R&D process look like? Did, were you experienced yourself with 
mixing? What, what was that like? So um, back then, so the problem back then, and it's totally different now with all the rise of indie brands now, but back yeah. then, the people who were having skincare lines were the big brands, the Estee Lauders and the L'Oreal's, and you know they were selling to millions of people. So yeah. to create a product line and have a lab work with you where you only can only order you know, 200 of something like nobody would do that back then. And my, yeah. my philosophy, philosophy about skin is that there's nine skin types mm. and I wanted a skincare routine for each of the nine skin types. So I wasn't launching a line that just had eight SKUs. I was launching mm. a line that was going to have 40 SKUs. Right. Yeah. And so, and some skin types are more popular than the others. And so I had to really seek out labs that were willing to take a chance on me and do small minimums because they're normally like, oh, it's 10,000 per product. And I'm like, oh, I need, you know, a baker's dozen. So, yeah. um, so anyway, so that was challenging to find labs. So part in the early days, we had to do some white label, mm. um, you know, private label where they already have the formula and then they'll package it for you. You can make some tweaks to the formula. Yeah. Um, so in the early days, I had to start out substituting some products with that until I could then do my own custom formulas, which was, you know, took many years. But now we do all custom formulations. Mm. I did, even though I didn't go to college, I have taken several cosmetic chemistry courses at mm. UCLA. So I'm really, uh, I, I'm a really good product formulator and I kind of know all the nuances that go into product development, which is super fun. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, kind of bouncing back from what you mentioned with being one of the first on the web, I'm curious, where did you get some of that experience from? Did you have a consultant and eventually launching these products that you white labeled? What did that process look like actually going live on e-commerce? Right. So my brother uh, was a web developer. He had a full time job. Okay. And, you know, we talked and we knew that like selling online was going to be a thing. And so he built me, you know, a custom built website because he had done that for the company he was with. And uh, but everything was all custom back then. I mean, there wasn't a Shopify. It's a plug and play. And so yeah. and then I remember like the server, for example. So we tapped into a server of my brother's friend and it was in the closet at my brother's friend's house and he had a toddler and every now and again the toddler would go play in the closet and unplug the server and my website would go down oh, so wow. then i'd have to call my brother at work and he wasn't really allowed to talk during work and then eventually he'd get my voicemail on his work phone and being like the website's down call a rulio and then we'd always find out that it's because his toddler was playing in the closet and unplug the server <laughs> oh <laughs> so, my goodness <laughs> <laughs> so anyway but uh so your question sorry the question about products what were you saying about that yeah like, so what was the experience okay. like um launching on e-commerce where did you get that from and it sounds like your brother yeah so my brother yeah yeah and but email marketing that was really how we got the word out was you yeah. would send out an email i think we sent one at the time we sent an email out like once like every other month because like back then you know now we get emails every 10 seconds but yeah. from a brand but back then it was like you know six times a year or something we'd send out an email <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> so yeah well, at the point of scaling um when at what point did you notice traction taking place for your personal line of products then not outside of the spa but then the line of products at what point did you realize that yeah what was really the game changer was i started uh, going out to LA and mm. I had a handful of celebrity clients. And so that was really what moved the needle because, mm. you know, these celebrities, you know, would post about it and talk about it. I mean, it was, Twitter was really big back then. Um, and you know, 
yeah, so we'd get media, you know, then the media would kind of pick it up and run mm -hmm. with stories. And um, so, yeah, the celebrity having celebrity endorsements and I never paid them. Yeah. They were just my clients and they wow. just loved the product and it was they talked about it for free. So that's what really drove more online traffic. Yeah, definitely. So out of curiosity, um, at, at what point was that with social media, especially what, what were your clients posting on? You mentioned Twitter and I know Facebook kind of came around 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Roughly. So. Yeah. 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 So, so sorry, what's the question? What did, yeah. So it was both of those platforms. Got it. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah referring back to then the blog, I feel like this has a probably a tremendous impact on your products as well as you mentioned before we started the call, um, 2 million visits per year. That's incredible. Um, yeah. What uh, led you to starting that blog? Why? I'm sure SEO authority, but if you can explain. Yeah. So not SEO authority because I didn't know what that was. Yeah. I was just this esthetician that loved <laughs> sharing my skincare knowledge. And I would just sit there and type articles for my website and, you know, just put content. We had a tab on the website called skincare articles and so i would you know write one on 10 tips for summer skin or who knows what mm -hmm. and um so i was just push, pushing content out not realizing that it was getting picked up mm. by this thing called a search engine and then i think in 2009 we switched over to word wordpress platform which we're still on to this day yep. but now blogs were really taking off but i still didn't have an seo person i just was like I'm just going to write, keep writing skincare information. So there was no strategy behind it. Yeah. I just knew that like in our emails, and that's the case to this day, that we want to lead with education mm. because, it, because it's about trust. I'm a trusted expert, right? I've been yeah. an esthetician for over 35 years. So I sell with trust. I sell yeah. with my knowledge. And then people are like, oh, it sounds like she knows what she's talking about. Mm. I'll try her products. Definitely. And so for so many years, and it's sadly not the case anymore, but for so many years, we just every day it was like christmas to our website like just raining with traffic all organic mm. we didn't pay a dime no pay to play no google adwords paper clicks none of it yeah and google was just wonderful to us until one day about four years ago they changed um something in their algorithm some new i forgot what it was called but uh mm -hmm. and then the music stopped playing and yeah. it was like, wait, where'd the traffic go? <laughs> so now it's, you know, it's a little more pay to play now. Definitely. But I had it good for a long time. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far around Renee's entrepreneurial journey. I'd like to pause and say thank you to this episode's mid-break sponsor, Atlanta. Atlantal is an online shopping platform that strives to design cool, comfy, and chic shirts. For myself, I'm always looking for shirts that not only look good, but are also lightweight and comfortable at the same time. Atlantal offers a wide variety of different Hawaiian-style shirts at a very low cost. Costs all the way down to $19. So, whether wearing around the house, to the beach, or on the go, make sure to check them out for yourself at atlantal.com. That's atlantal.com, and enjoy the rest of the episode. So, I, I would like to hear... Um, especially being something that's physical use for skincare and results based, what kind of marketing works the best for you guys for skincare, especially e-commerce. I can't test it. I just, I need to maybe do a subscription for a month. See what that, see if it works. What, yeah. what, how do you guys lead that? So we do, we have an in-house esthetician that does virtual skin consultations mm. and it's uh, we, we call it my skin RX. And so people can schedule a virtual and we've been doing, like during COVID, a lot of brands started to do virtual, but we've been doing virtual for easily 12 years. New York Times actually did a whole whole page on me about 
the skin mm. coach and all this kind of thing. So that's been really instrumental for our success to be able to kind of really have that one-on-one -on -one time with people. Yeah. But I think, I think really what it is, is my blog because yeah. I have, you know, you can type, what do I, you know, dark circles, blackheads, clogged pores. I mean, we have everything on there. Mm -hmm. So that is a selling tool in itself. Cause I'll mention my products and links to it. I'm still, even if you don't buy the products, you're still learning, exactly. but you know, when someone's reading something and all my advice is right there, then you know, they have the information right at their fingertips. Exactly. Yeah. Diving into, um, then the possibility of brick and mortar, has that been an option as well? Or I know you've, with the blog, it makes sense to funnel right to the e-commerce site. Um, has that yeah. been in conversation through the years? So we had, so I had two skincare spas in Dallas and yep. we shut them down. Uh, I now, I relocated my uh, company to Austin eight years ago. So our headquarters are here. Mm -hmm. We have 10,000 square feet of warehouse and office space here in Austin. Incredible. Um, got, got recognized in 2020 as the best place to work in Austin. That's huge. Shout out. And uh, anyway, but we, um, we closed the spas in Dallas right before COVID. It just happened that our leases were running out anyway. Mm. So we kind of dodged a bullet there. But I was really wanting to put, folk, you know, we'd already had the spas for 20 years and, you know, it's just, it was time and energy taken away from the product line and being able to reach more people online. Yeah. So for the past, you know, three-ish years, we've been uh, 100% D to C. Mm. And, um, but now, now we're kind of exploring some, you know, IRL opportunities, whether it's yeah. pop-ups or um, more events or whatever. Um, you know, I always go back to like, you know, I became an esthetician because I like to touch people, you know, and even yeah. though I still have a, ham a couple of handful of clients out in LA that I see regularly, but like, I just love talking to people and being with people and it's a little less touchy feely online. So, mm. uh, we are looking at some opportunities starting here, uh, to start here in Austin about kind of getting back with the people again. Incredible. What does the new uh, product development look like? So say someone, there's a new skin, something going on. What does what a product development look like today? R&D, since you guys already have an established line. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if you, you, you launch yearly, but what does that look like? Yeah, no, that's, it's our product, new, new product development is my favorite. That's what I probably yeah. spend most of my time doing. So I have a, um, we work with contract manufacturers. We work with like 11 of them all over the United States and Canada. Mm -hmm. And because different labs specialize in different things. And, and because my line has 52 products, um, we do diversify. Um, so the, um, so we don't do our own in-house manufacturing and, um, but I work with, we have a, I have a cosmetic chemist, mm -hmm. um, that, uh, and an MPD team here in Austin. And then, we then communicate with the labs and the chemists on their team. And, um, but new product development is so fun. It, it comes from my 35 plus years of conversations, mm. knowing what people's pain points are. So I'm monitoring what do we have in the line? You know, what are we missing? What's, you know, coming down the pike? What are people talking about? But just truly, I'm not going to come out with a product just to have another skew. Yeah. It's because something's missing in my line or I might, you know, I mean, we've been in business 27 years tomorrow. Mm. Um, I might go back to a, you know, a current formula we have and add new bells and whistles to it and then launch it as a new product. And so it's, um, but it's a, it's a real art form for me. There's yeah. a real, um, designing a new product, like all the boxes that has to check to create a really 
memorable experience and a wonderful experience yeah. and and then driving results at the same time. So mm. it's it's truly an art form, but it's really, really fun. I love it. So you mentioned you guys aren't manufacturing in-house, but you also referred to the square footage you have on site. I take it you are doing logistics um, in-house? Do they Correct. ship back to you guys and then you ship to the consumer? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So we do all of our own pick, pack, ship and distribution that way. And we love that because, yeah. you know, we, I always say sent from Austin with love. And, yeah. you know, we have our whole warehouse team and everybody, you know, just loves working at our company and so we're really just big on culture and, um, you know, a lot of brands. I mean, technically, I'm just a, mark, a sales and marketing company, so yeah. I could easily outsource 3PL, but we have a 99% accuracy rate on our shipping. Our warehouse mm. team just, like, does such a good job, and um, and I'm just really proud that we don't outsource everything. And, so. Of course. Out of curiosity, um, being in the industry for so long, what kind of, um, in comparison to your competitors, what kind of um, marketing tactics have you seen that maybe skew uh, consumers other routes that maybe might not be true of their skincare, that maybe consumers get tricked often, if you can share, maybe not you guys, but competitors? So kind of like, what's the BS out there? Exactly. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think... Well, I think there's a lot of false claims going yeah. on, right? So, like, think about, like, the clean movement, and that's kind of going by the wayside because people just don't have the data to back up, like, that these things are toxic or causing cancer. So mm -hmm. there's there's been a lot of backlash, and now the clean brands that, were, that really did well several years ago um, – they uh, now they're they're struggling because they're trying to like, how do you kind of say, take a stand and say these ingredients are bad, but then the science continually proves and the research proves that it's mm. not. Yeah. So they're kind of a little bit trying to, you know, spin a little bit differently now. So that's been kind of interesting to watch. Mm. Um, trends like CBD, for example, like mm. a lot of brands were coming out with CBD lines and it's like, you know, and me being so you know, far into the research, I'm just kind of rolling my eyes. And then sure enough, just last week, I saw an article in one of the trades that like, uh, CBD is gone. Like yeah. that, that ship has sailed. Cause you know, but again, everyone's like, Oh, it's so calming for your skin. Cause they kind of, that's the marketing story, right? Like yeah. when you smoke weed, a lot of people get calm, but it's like, <laughs> no, it's not touching your face. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, it doesn't work that same way. So <laughs> that is a little silly. I think, um, I think, um, I think brands, I mean, there's a dime a dozen now, you know, you hear sure. all these celebrities having brands. And I think, um, I think at the end of the day, it's who really has the expertise mm -hmm. to really like know what they're talking about. Cause the days of just a celebrity being the face of a brand is, is over. Like, so yeah. celebrity brands are going by the wayside. So I think there has to always be that authenticity. So I sit in a really good place because I've had 35 years of literally being two inches mm. from people's face, looking through their pores into their souls yeah. and having conversations all day long. Like I've got some street cred, right? Sure. And so I think that, you know, that's why a lot of like dermatologist back lines are, are doing well. There's a lot of cosmetic chemists that are having lines now. Mm. So I think at the end of the day, expertise and authority is yeah is what's really making us win. Absolutely. Well, Renee, I like to conclude each episode with this. Um, with 27 years anniversary celebrating tomorrow, I'm curious, 
Yeah. Um, if you can share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe something you've learned or regret along the way, what would you say that would be? I would, um, I would have found, I would have seeked out mentorship mm. instead of just trying to do it alone. Um, yeah, I would have done that. There's plenty of people out there that have, have done it, can do it with their eyes closed mm. and have insight. And I just, I just always did everything myself. And I, you know, I read a lot. I constantly research, keep myself educated, but Sometimes if someone, you know, just one conversation with someone and I'm like, oh, my God, why didn't I know that 10 years ago? Yeah. So I think mentorship. I'm in. Uh, are you familiar with EO? Yep. Entrepreneurs organization. Yep. So, yeah, I've, I've been in EO for almost 15 years. And awesome. so obviously that those are my mentors because we can learn from each other. Mm -hmm. So I would just say seek out advice not and always stay true to what's, you know, don't you don't have to follow everyone's advice because you have to go with your gut. But mm. just just surrounding yourself with people to have those people as sounding boards, I think is really helpful. Absolutely. Well, Renee, thank you so much for joining me today. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Renee Rouleau at ReneeRouleau.com. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small on social platforms and make sure to subscribe to our email so you don't miss anything on Starting Small Summit, more podcast episodes, or our online blog. You can find that link in this description.